I greet you in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. Today begins a series of messages on the famous I am sayings of Jesus. Uh, there are seven statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John that begin with the words, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today our focus is on Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And there's a dear saint named Sandra who is part of our 9 a.m. congregation. And God must have revealed to her my subject of the morning because she brought me a loaf of home-baked bread. And uh, God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> our scripture for the morning comes from John chapter 6, beginning with verse 25. And let me set the scene a little bit for you. The previous day, Jesus had performed this great miracle of feeding thousands of people with just very little. It was clear, clearly a miracle. And the people were so impressed, they tried to draft him into being their king and their military leader. Get rid of the Romans, occupiers. Uh, uh, of course, that was not God's plan for Jesus at all. Um, and somehow Jesus managed to escape from this uh, ambitious mob. He traveled to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. But then the next day, the crowd found him. And this is where we begin to read. Verse 25, if you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because of the loaves, uh, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated and let us pray. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our thoughts and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken. Give us your word, Lord Jesus. Amen. Several years ago, former church of mine in Memphis planted several daughter churches similar to one that Mount Horeb is getting ready to plant in Columbia and let me offer a little testimony as one who lives in Columbia there's a real hunger over there for a global Methodist church to be established on that side of the river so I can't wait for that day but my church in Memphis established several daughter churches. One of them was in the city of Peskov in Russia. And I had the privilege of visiting that church soon after it was established. And I stayed at the home of the pastor, the Reverend Nellie Mamonova. And her teenage daughter, Katya, had studied English since grammar school. They start them early over there. And so she was fluent. And she served as the interpreter between me and and Nellie's family. I had many meals at Nellie's table, and that food was wonderful. But oh, there is one food that stands out in my memory. Uh, she served the most delicious bread I have ever eaten. It was dark in color, almost black, rich and soft. And the aroma of that freshly baked bread would excite your taste buds. And let me tell you, when you melted a little bit of cheese on a slice of that bread, <laughs> mercy, I mean, it would walk and talk. <laughs> bread has always been regarded as the staff of life. Bread and the Eastern equivalent, which is rice, those are regarded as the essential foods. And just as our bodies need bread, physical bread, to survive. Our hearts, minds, and souls need spiritual bread to thrive. Therefore, it was natural that Jesus would call himself the bread of life. And folks, there are millions of Americans today who are spiritually starving because they do not have the bread of life. So let's us look at scripture for today, John chapter 6. I want to set the scene for you, uh, remind you of what I said just previously. On the previous day, Jesus had just amazed, I'm sure, the people. Over 5,000, 5,000 men, no telling how many women and children. And he fed them. And the raw materials for that banquet, five loaves of bread, barley loaves, and two fish. 
I tell you, that was the most economical catering service in history. And it was a miracle, and the people knew it. And, oh, they were impressed, so impressed they tried to draft him. You be our king. Lead the army. That's what we want. If you can do that miracle, no, no telling how many others you can do. So lead us. Well, that was not God's will for Jesus. But he had, to, he had a struggle to get away from that ambitious mob that wanted to crown him. But he managed to escape to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, but the next day... They caught up with him. And what we have in our scripture for the morning is the dialogue carried on between Jesus and, and the crowd. Notice first that the crowd was looking for another free lunch. In, in verse 26, Jesus analyzes the crowd and says, You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you, are, you ate the loaves and had your fill. This was a crowd. Have you ever heard the saying, There is no free lunch? This crowd believes there is free lunch. We tasted it yesterday. Uh, yes, you served us dinner yesterday. We're back for breakfast today. And if you and I had been there, I think we would have chastised the crowd a little bit and said, hey, you bunch of loafers. Yeah, I mean, here you are begging for freebies. What's wrong with you people? Can't you take care of yourselves? Jesus didn't say anything like that. He didn't criticize the crowd. Instead, he tried to explain to them about a bread, a kind of bread, not the kind that is eaten and forgotten, but the kind of bread that is received by faith and lives forever. Do you remember that one of Jesus' temptations back at the beginning of his ministry had to do with bread? He was out in the wilderness, you remember? He had been there a long time, no food. He was extremely hungry, and Satan said to him, hey, you see that rock over there? You've got the power of the Son of God just to say the word. Say the word, and that stone will become bread. You know God doesn't want his son to starve to death, and here you are hungry. Do it! But Jesus replied, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. I got a feeling there are a lot of Americans who would disagree with Jesus' statement there. I think a lot of them would say, oh, yeah. You give us the bread of money and enough of it, and we can buy the good life. We can buy everything that money can buy, not only the groceries, but all the essentials, cars, houses, entertainment, status. We can buy it all. Give us a few unlimited credit cards, and we'll take care of providing the good life. That's the attitude of many Americans. Jesus rejected such a materialistic lifestyle. Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He was saying that there's a different kind of bread available that would satisfy a deeper hunger than your belly. The hunger for truth, the hunger to know who God is, the hunger for forgiveness, joy, peace, the hunger to know that my life on earth is not just these 80 more or less years, but it, indeed it goes on eternally. Well, the crowd did not understand him. Instead, the crowd asked for a to-do list. Give us a to-do list. What must we do to do the works God requires? 
give us a list of things we ought to do in order to please God. Uh, must have been some Americans in that crowd, surely. Because so many Americans, they just want a, a three-step to-do list for the good life. Just give it to us. Tell us what we got to do. Anytime there's a problem to fix or a goal to be achieved, so many just, just give us an action plan. If you want to lose weight, give us a three-point uh, step to take. Won't be necessarily easy, but we'll know the three steps. If you got a problem or a need, Google it, and instantly there will appear on your screen a five-step process to fix your need or problem. If you were to stand on a corner in Lexington this afternoon and do sort of a man-on-the-street interview with people, and if you were to ask them, uh, what does it mean to be a Christian? I believe that in most cases you would get a to-do list. Things to do. Keep the Ten Commandments. Tithe. Support the church. Pray. Be kind to other people. Forgive. A to-do list. Not all bad, but but wrong. Jesus would disagree. Every religion except Christianity has a to-do list. The Jewish people have the Ten Commandments plus a whole lot of other rules and regulations. Uh, Islam has the five ta daily tasks that every Muslim should follow. The Buddhists, the Hindus have all these meditation periods that are prescribed. Christianity is the only one that has no to-do list in order to be saved. No. Christianity replaces the word do with the word done. We focus on what was done for us through Jesus Christ, especially on the cross. Our challenge is to receive by faith, not to do. Jesus replied to the crowd. He said, your believing is more important than your doing. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus said the first step is not to do something, but believe. Now, some of you who know your Bibles well will say, may be thinking, no, wait a minute, preacher. In the book of James, don't we read that faith without works is dead? Yes, that's correct. And doesn't that conflict with what Jesus is saying here about believing more important than doing? No. Because what James is really telling us that if faith does not lead to good works, it's phony. Good works, if not motivated by faith, are worthless. Faith comes first. And if it's genuine, the good works will follow naturally. When someone joins Mount Horeb Church, we ask them several questions. One is about believing and the other is about doing. Both of them are important, but one is vastly more important than the other. The believing question is, is the big one. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Now, the to-do question says, will you support Mount Horeb Church with your prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness? You know, if you say yes to the believing part, the to-do list will follow just as naturally as night follows day. But the belief part is the more important. To believe in Jesus Christ 
as Savior and Lord is to receive the eternal bread of life. The bread that never spoils or fails. One of the biggest differences between the bread that spoils and the bread that lasts is that you have to work for the bread that spoils. Yes. You work for a paycheck. And that buys the groceries, including the bread and the house payment and all the other essential needs of your life. That's the paycheck you work for. But the food that lasts is a free gift from God. Wasn't free for God. My goodness, it cost him his son on the cross. But it's free for us. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Now, despite Jesus' explanation, the crowd was not yet willing to believe in him as the Messiah, the bread of life. And instead, the crowd asked for a miracle. What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe it and believe you? The crowd knew that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. But they said to him, if you are who you say you are, dazzle us. Do some magic. Perform a miracle for us in order that we might believe you. Moses gave our forefathers manna every day. Food from heaven every day. Can you do something like that? Now, if you and I had been there, I think we would have said to the crowd, you bunch of dummies, didn't, didn't you see what he did yesterday? He fed those thousands of people. Wasn't that miracle enough for you? Why are you coming back asking for another? But if you study the scriptures, you will find that Jesus never performed miracles in order to show off, to impress people, to make them believe who he was. No. He always performed miracles to meet human needs. And people of faith were able, through those miracles, to perceive who Jesus was. Jesus said that daily manna provided by Moses. It wasn't really from Moses. It was a gift from God every day. And wonderful as it was, that manna every day only filled their bellies one day at a time. But the true bread I offer fills the soul. The true bread is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You know, we sometimes give credit to various people who are gift givers. And that's good. We should express our thanks. Uh, we look back historically to Franklin D. Roosevelt, who in the middle of a depression gave us social security to take care of our older folks. Uh, we, we thank our parents who gave us as much education as we would receive. And maybe we even thank our bosses who maybe gave us an end-of-the-year bonus. And those are good gifts as far as they go. But the truly great gifts come from God, not people, from God. Like the next breath we take. Every breath is a, is a gift. Our amazing bodies and minds the experience of love, the assurance of eternal life on the other side of death. The really big gifts have God's fingerprints all over them. 
including a little baby. And I've often said, if you see a little newborn and you then don't believe in God, there's not a whole lot of hope for you. Beware of any religious message that focuses on the gifts that pass rather than the gifts that last. For example, there are some so-called evangelists on television that you can see who claim that if you follow Jesus, ah, oh, your stocks will soar and your profit margin will double. That is a lie. The Bible contains no such promise. Though Jesus wants to make sure that your needs are met, the gift of his presence makes everything that this world offers seem like pocket change by comparison. Jesus offers an eternal spiritual feast that nothing can interrupt. No recession, not even a depression can touch it. To the crowd, Jesus declared this magnificent truth. I am the bread of life. In effect, Jesus was saying, if you want peace in your soul rather than just temporary calm in your belly, I can provide it. If you will just believe that I am the Messiah sent from God with the, as the true bread of life. You know, every time we celebrate Holy Communion here, we announce that the bread of life is available to all people. And the wine representing his shed blood was shed for all. We say, come to the feast, eat and drink, life abundant, life eternal. The bread of life satisfies our souls. Jesus declared God's great plan for the whole world. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Jesus promised that he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And the word never there is important. In the Greek language, this is the strongest negative expression in that language. Never, never. What a great guarantee that is. What he's saying here is that God will never fail us or forsake us. Never. What a treasure. It is to have that assurance. Now, the bottom line in what Jesus was telling the crowd that day was, Jesus alone can satisfy our deepest hunger. Jesus alone. How sad it is that so many Americans have never received the bread of life, have never had that kind of hunger uh, satisfied. You know, America is the most affluent nation on earth. We are awash in a flood of materialism. The TV commercials you and I watch every day have sort of a common theme uh, that the good life, in quotes, consists of soaring stocks and several vacation homes and maybe a new car every year and maybe a few other things that, that, that we want. That's the good life. But you know what? That kind of good life mocks us, makes fun of us. If most Americans have the good life, why aren't we a happier nation? Why, why are tranquilizers the most common medication in America? Why are thousands of teenagers dying because they order some pill on, uh, online and it's traced with fentanyl? 
Why are alcohol and drugs killing us at such a high rate? Why is our suicide rate so high? Why are so many Americans depressed, lonely, unfulfilled? I'll tell you why. Because nothing this world offers can satisfy our deepest needs. Only Jesus can. At a recent meeting of Gideon's International, and by the way, Gideon's International, as you probably know, is the largest Bible distribution agency in the world. I love the Gideons. And as you know, they put Bibles in every hotel room and every, every place that will receive them over the country. And they really want the Bibles to be taken home. Uh, stolen, if you please. Uh, uh, yeah, because they want, they want the Bibles to get out there. And they'll go regularly to the hotel and replace any that are taken away. Well, at this meeting of the Gideons International, there was a hotel owner from Fort Collins, Colorado, who got up and shared a remarkable incident. Uh, he said, when my Gideon representative made his annual visit uh, to our hotel, uh, I said, uh, sir, I want to take you to a certain room in the hotel and show you something. And so the two of us went up to a room on the eighth floor and we opened the drawer beside the bed where the Gideon Bible is normally kept and the Gideon Bible was missing. But in its place was a loaded pistol. And those two men looked at that and they wondered, do you suppose that something in that Gideon Bible was used by God to keep somebody from taking his own life? Could it have been even a taste of the bread of life may have given a glimmer of hope to somebody who was utterly hopeless. When Jesus shared the good news with that crowd long ago, most of the crowd didn't believe him. In fact, some of them grumbled and said, hey, who does this guy think he is? We, we know where he comes from, Nazareth. We knew his parents. He's got a lot of nerve to say he, he's come down from heaven. And I'm afraid that the verdict of most Americans is similar to that crowd. Because many Americans are trying to save themselves. To work out their own plan of salvation. Based on what this world can offer. But God is still calling from his great heart to ours. Calling out to us to receive the bread of life. The only bread that can satisfy. The only truth that never fails. The only one who can forgive and save. Only Jesus can satisfy. And only the crowd, only the cross can save. I wonder if there are people within the sound of my voice, either here or online, who have tried all the various recipes the world offers for fulfillment, for the good life. Whether it be money or fame or sex or possessions or drugs, whatever. And they discovered that every one of them is a dead-end street. Each one of them just mocks and laughs at its victims. Is it time for you to receive the true bread of life? If so, it's not difficult. Just tell Jesus today that you want to receive him. 
as your personal Savior and Lord. He's waiting to hear from you. He's hoping to hear from you. And as soon as you have received him, the only thing he asks is that you would share him with somebody you know who desperately needs the bread of life. There's a gospel hymn that contrasts the failure of the world to satisfy, on the one hand, with the fulfillment found only in Jesus, the bread of life. We don't know who the author of this hymn uh, was. We do know that it comes out of the African-American experience in America. And the hymn was inspired by these words of Jesus. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And the refrain of that hymn just says it all and has a way of echoing in our brain. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. You can have all this world. Just what? Give me Jesus. Jesus.